You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. This past year, my great niece, Olivia, she's such a cutie, was diagnosed with SMA, spinal muscular atrophy. And it's a rare genetic disorder that uh, her muscles throughout her body are weakened uh, because nerve cells in the spinal cord and brainstem do not work properly. And SMA can affect children's ability to be able to crawl, to set up, uh, to be able to walk, to uh, move their head, or certain head movements. And severe SMA can, can affect the muscles uh, with your breathing and swallowing. And so when we got the news about Sweet Olivia, we were devastated. There were a lot of tears that were shed, a lot of prayers that were sent up. We burned up the internet learning everything that we could about SMA. I hadn't heard about it. I know that we leaned on each other as a family. It was our stone in front of the tomb. Today we are ending our series called Countdown to Calvary. We are finally here. We're finally to Easter, and I want to wish everyone a happy Easter. We've been looking at uh, the book of Mark and going through the Easter story, and, and, and I love this time of year. I love the excitement that's in the air. I love seeing people that sometimes I don't get to see. I love us having an Easter breakfast and, and watching kids hunt for eggs and for us to be able to tell them about the Easter story. Um, but if we're not careful, if we're not careful with Easter, we can kind of treat Easter as just one day of the year and then we just kind of move on. We build up to it and it's a great day and then Monday comes and we don't think about resurrection. I, I believe that resurrection shouldn't just be one special day that we celebrate, but a moment in time that affects every part of our life, every part of our life. And so as we celebrate this day, I pray that it won't just be a day. I pray that it won't just be one event in your life, but it will, that resurrection will make a difference in your life every moment of your life. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 15 and 16. Uh, we're going to be reading some of the last verses in Mark chapter 15 and then also verses uh, in Mark chapter 16. Leading up to these verses, Jesus has went through a mockery of a trial. It was basically a kangaroo court. He's been mistreated. He's been beaten. He's been spit upon. He's been mocked. He's been, uh, had a crown of thorns put on his head. It's just been disgusting the way that Jesus was treated. He was nailed to a cross, and he died. And so Mark, Mark chapter 15, it says, Joseph bought a long sheet of linen cloth. Then he took Jesus' body down from the cross and wrapped it in the cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he wrote a stone in front of the entrance. Mary Magdalene and the, Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus' body was laid. Then moving on to Mark chapter 16, it says, Saturday evening uh, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased some burial uh, spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb, and on the way they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? 
Who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? And see, we have, they had a problem, the problem of the stone. Anybody got problems here today? You have an Olivia. You have a, a, a loved one that's sick. Maybe you got health problems. Maybe you got aging problems. Maybe you got financial problems or addiction problems. Maybe you got job problems. Maybe you got marital problems. Maybe you got children's problems or parent problems or relationship problems. These women had a stone. It was a heavy stone. It, this stone was there, was in their way. It was there to protect the body. And this stone kept these women from knowing the tomb was empty. Many of you, you have a stone today. And the, the stone is so big and you don't know what you're going to do. You, you have this big problem in your life. And you, you know the remarkable part of this story is despite knowing that they had a huge stone that was blocking the entrance, despite knowing they were not strong enough to move it, these women kept on walking to the stone. They just kept on walking. They were on a mission to anoint Jesus' body with spices. So what's your excuse for not going to the tomb? Sometimes when we face problems, sometimes we just stop and we replay the situation over and over in our mind. We complain about the situation. We then on social media about the situation. We get stuck in our anxiety about the situation. And there are times that we need to pause and reflect and think about the situation. But many times we just need to keep on moving. And we need to keep on looking for a solution. And many times that solution is by looking up, looking toward Christ and giving him the problem versus us trying to figure out all of the details. Let's, let's take this time and, and read verse 4. It says this, But as they arrived, they looked up, and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. See, their problem, the thing that they had discussed, this stone had already been solved. The stone had been rolled away. Instead of telling God how big your problem is, why don't you tell your problem how big your God is? We have a God that can roll away stones. If you look at verse 5, it says, When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. This was an angel. The women were shocked. I think you would be shocked too if you saw an angel. You, you were planned on going there to anoint Jesus' body with spices, and instead you see this angel. It says, But the angel said, Don't be alarmed or don't be afraid, depending on your translation. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. They were in the right place, and they go to the tomb, and this angel is there, and he says, don't be afraid. You don't need your spices anymore. Jesus isn't here. He's risen from the dead. That's where he was, but he's not there anymore. For many of you, the resurrection story is like a movie that you've seen. You know the ending. You've seen it many times. You've heard the story told so many times. That, that we don't even think about it. But for these women, you need to imagine how they felt. They expected Jesus to be dead. Most dead people stay dead. And all of a sudden they go to the tomb and Jesus isn't there. They expected to pack him with spices. Again, they didn't need the spices. It's crazy. The resurrection was a surprise to these ladies to, to, and, and to the disciples, despite Jesus predicting it over and over to them. The resurrection was a surprise. And I love what Kenny Hart said. 
He said on Resurrection Sunday, the greatest proof of God's power is found in what's, what was missing, not what was there. Let me say that again. On Resurrection Sunday, the greatest proof of God's power is found in what was missing, not what was there. They were surprised. They didn't expect to see an empty tomb. Verse 7 says, now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, or your translation might say, and Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. These women were the first messengers uh, of the resurrection. They saw the tomb was empty. They were invisible in that culture. And they were treated as property. Women were not highly thought upon. But here, they were the first ones to see the empty tomb. They were the ones that were told to be the messengers. The culture didn't have much use for them. But God says, no, you have a special place. These women showed up. They came to the tomb. And they wanted to take care of Jesus' body. Some of you, you feel like this woman, these women. You feel invisible. You feel like no one sees you. You don't feel worthy. But guess what? God sees you. God sees you. He knows your name and he desires to have a relationship with you. And you are invited to his table. Everyone's invited to his table. It's not about your past. It's about your future. Jesus wants to work in your life. He wants to connect with you. And as a church, we want to connect with you. We are all table guests trying to connect to God. These women being able to come to the tomb and seeing this and being the first messengers, this was scandalous in this time. But Jesus says, you know what? I see you. You're important to the ministry. Notice the angel says, tell the disciples and Peter or including Peter. Well, why call out Peter? Because Peter denied Christ three times. He had failed. He had messed up. And guess what, Peter? Jesus wants to see you again. Your mistake is not your identity. Your mistakes don't define you. Your mistakes is just a chapter in your book. And Jesus came to redeem you, Peter. Perhaps some of us on Easter Sunday morning, we've blown it. We've messed up. And we're beating ourselves up. Can I encourage you to take the nails out of your hands? These nails are not yours. Quit walking around in shame. Put the hammer down. Jesus has forgiven you. And now you can forgive yourself. What is the message of the empty tomb? It's a message of a second chance. Many of us, we face setbacks and sorrows. Is there anyone this Easter morning that needs to hear those words? And Peter, including Peter. Easter means hope, a new life, a new, a new start, a new opportunity, a new beginning. Some of you, you know a Peter right now. You know someone that's struggling, that's been beaten down, that's messed up. And for you, maybe God's saying, you know what? You need to go talk to them. You need to invite them for a meal. You need to embrace them. You need to love them. You need to show them the grace that God has shown you. Can I encourage you to do that right now? Is to be Jesus for someone? To extend grace and love to a Peter in your life? We have a God that redeems. We have a God that loves us despite our mistakes. I want you to notice what the women did next in, in verse 8. It says, The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. And, and, and basically, this is the end of Mark. 
And I'm like, what, what, what kind of ending is this, Mark? I mean, I was looking for a happy ending. I wanted to see the woman go to the empty tomb and be bold and courageous and do all of these things. Yet we see that they're fearful. You might see a note in your Bible uh, after this that says most newer translations, or, and, and most newer translations have this. It says most ancient manuscripts of Mark conclude with verse 8. Later manuscripts add one or both of the following endings, a shorter and a longer uh, ending. Uh, almost all the scholars that, that I know of, that I read about, don't attribute the other endings to Mark. There's all kinds of different problems from words that Mark didn't use in this, these longer endings to the transition to all kinds of other issues. It's possible that a scribe uh, added these later, these may be true historical events, uh, but I don't believe these, these, these other endings are from Mark. And so then I'm left with, Mark, why did you do this? Why the abrupt ending? And these women were fearful, they were bewildered. Uh, and and in, in this, I had to think, you know what? These women experienced a lot. Their friend had died. They went, they saw Jesus die on the cross. They saw that his treatment. And then they go early that morning to a tomb that was empty and their, their world had been turned upside down. There was a lot to process. They were grieving and they were human just like you and me. And everyone responds to the resurrection differently. Perhaps Mark is actually using this ending as a subtle encouragement. The early church had the practice of reading the Gospels out loud together. Imagine yourself hearing this abrupt conclusion decades later in an ever-expanding room of Jesus' followers. And just standing in this room, you know that the, the Gospel has overcome these women's fears. It has overcome Judas's betrayal. It's overcome Peter's denial. And despite your doubts, maybe you too step forward in obedience to the, to the gospel, just like these women must have. See, the resurrection requires a response. And the question is, how will you respond to the resurrection? Will you ignore it? Will you be a skeptic to it? Some of you, you will hear about the resurrection and tomorrow you'll go about your day like nothing has happened. But for some of you, the resurrection will change your life. It'll change the way that you view problems. It'll change the way that you view your stone. So my question is, what will you do?